Oh, that shows true faith. If you get if you get baptized in warm water, it's kind of sissy, you know what I mean? You have to get born in some little cold water. Oh, I'm going to have the privilege of, of baptizing Ali Lawhead in just a moment. But first, I just want to say that baptism is basically an outward expression of an inward reality. A person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. They desire to have that living relationship with him. And baptism is saying that I want to say to all of you that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. When a person is baptized, that's exactly what they're doing. They're acknowledging to everyone around them. They're making a public declaration of what's going on in their hearts. And they're saying to their body that I want you guys to hold me accountable. I am saying I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I want to live my life that way. And so we can all be encouraged that Ali wants to make that commitment today. And uh, if, if you would like to be baptized, we're going to be baptizing folks again on Palm Sunday. It's going to be a worship service, all music, just a celebration, baptism. So if you're interested in being baptized yourself, you can sign up for uh, baptism on Palm Sunday. So I'm going to ask Allie to come up. We had the heater on too, so. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn, you can turn this way so people can see. <laughs> Allie, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Why have you come today to be baptized? To express my faith in Him. Amen. She wants to express her faith in Him. Okay, so just kind of grab your, grab your other hand, like right here. Hold your wrist. Allie, because of your public declaration of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just this celebration. God, it's so exciting we see people who have that desire to come to know you as Lord and Savior and who desire to be baptized. Father, it's such an encouragement to all of us. And so we just pray, dear God, that you would be with us the remainder of this service. Father, that our hearts would be lifted up, that our minds would be lifted up, that we would be able to walk out of here different people than when we came in because of what your Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Thank you for Allie and for her declaration, Lord God. I pray, dear God, that you keep her strong, that you keep her grounded, that you would protect her, Lord, surround her with your protection as she tries to live out her faith in you. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. Let's continue to worship. Good morning. My name is Jeff Greer, and I am Rick Santorum's fashion consultant. <laughs> see, some of you get it. You follow political follow. Some of you will be watching TV, and you'll see Rick Santorum. You go, hey, that was really funny. Um, according to my Giants championship watch, um, it's about to start preaching. Yeah, the New York football Giants, baby. 
oh, if the Bengals could only get one. I'm a Bengals fan, don't get me wrong, but I, I cheer for the Giants in the NFC and the Bengals in the AFC. If they ever got together, I'd cheer for the Bengals, just you know what my loyalties are. But it's awful nice to have two different teams to cheer for. And I, I'm sure. So as I older I got, the more I realized I became a Yankee fan because I figured they win every year. So I have something, someone to cheer for every year. Hey, um, Jeff and Christy, your, your checkbook is here. You left it back over near the SWAT wall, um, and it's actually signed. So I figured I'd put a couple zeros on the end of there and pay for new carpet in the, uh, in the sanctuary here. If you don't come and claim it, it's going on the offering box. Now, uh, it's right up here. I'll bring it down with me so you can get it afterward. Um, this morning, we're going to continue our series, 40 Days in the Word, and answer one question. Can we trust the Bible? Can we trust the Bible? See, we can't build our lives on it. Last week we talked about building our lives on the Bible. We can't build our lives on the Bible if we don't trust the Bible, if you can't trust it. Over the past few years, I have um, gone over some topics you know, in detail. This whole idea about trusting the Word of God, trusting in the Bible. Like I said, over the past few years, I've covered this topic in great detail. The Bible's uh, historical accuracy. Uh, the, the prophetic accuracy of the Bible, and other related topics. And so for the interest of, in the interest of time, what I want to do is focus on one question this morning. Is the Bible scientifically accurate? Is the Bible scientifically accurate? Now, if you're interested in a broader defense of the faith, we did a series a couple of years ago, and then last year did a couple of more um, topics on the same, in the same series called Conversations with a Happy Heathen. Conversations with a Happy Heathen is basically I'm debating a friend from about 30 or 33 years ago who were in youth group together. She was the person that actually got me to come back to youth group the second time. And so she Facebooked me 30 years later. I said, wait a second, that's the person. And, and we got into a conversation. I was thanking her for, for where I am today, and she's part of that reason. And she said, that's just great. Boy, our paths have taken totally different ways. She's an atheist. And so for the past three years, we've been basically debating um, through Facebook. It's about this uh, a notebook about this thick that I have right now. But I have done 18 sermons and it's kind of a back-and-forth discussion, um, apologetics discussion, defending the faith. And so if you're interested in learning more about why the Bible is reliable, the accuracy of the Bible, questions like, you know, why is there suffering in the world, all the things that you would bring up, all the questions that people would have, there are 18 sermons. We're going to just, if, if you have $10, if you would sign up at Wise Words and just sign up there so we can make 18 uh, CDs for you. We'll give you all 18 of those for 10 bucks. It just basically covers the cost. If you don't have 10 bucks, you can have it anyway. Just sign up if you would like that. I didn't want her to spend a lot of time making them. If, if uh, just we'll, we'll be sure how many we're actually making, and we'll have them to you next week. So, um, conversations with a happy heathen. If you'd like to have more information on that. See, if you don't think the Bible is scientifically accurate then A, you don't, you've never really studied the Bible, and B, you probably don't know very much about science either. Um, because the truth is, God set up the laws of science, and God is not going to contradict the, contradict the very laws of science that he set up. So you're not going to find uh, the Bible being inaccurate when it comes to scientific discovery. The Bible never presents bad science. In over 1,600 years of writing the Bible, you are not going to find the Bible presenting bad science. 
The Bible never presents things that way. The reality is the Bible is always ahead of science. It's always ahead of it. There are things that the Bible teaches that, that we have just discovered over the past couple of hundred years. The Bible will teach something. People will say, well, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. I've, you know, we've dug there and we've done this and it's not there. The Bible says it is not there. And then they dig a little deeper and there you find the city they were looking for. The Bible is accurate. And if they continue to dig or discover, you'll find things that were written in the Bible that have just been discovered over the past couple of hundred years. Johannes Kepler, the famous mathematician and astronomer, wrote this. Science is simply thinking God's thoughts after him. In other words, God was the one who established it. God was the one who invented it. God was the one who invented physics and and chemistry and biology and mathematics, all of these things. And then we basically discover them after he has created them, after he's designed them. So God understands science. God understands the laws of science. The Bible can be trusted because the Bible is scientifically accurate. It's accurate. Now, where you run into things sometimes where people will say, well, you believe in in the supernatural. Absolutely believe in the supernatural. Absolutely. If you don't believe in the supernatural, well, that's your choice based upon your faith. But the Bible is scientifically accurate. Accurate. And God obviously understands scientific law even when we didn't in the past. Even when people didn't truly understand the laws of science in the past, God still understood it. Here's one thing one thing is very clear truth never changes. And science is constantly changing. I am not, I, you will not hear me attacking science this morning. I'm just, I'm just kind of debating the one, this one particular point. Is, is the Bible scientifically accurate? I'm not criticizing science. All I'm saying is that truth never changes, but science is in a constant change pattern. It's, it's always changing. Let me give you an example. Um, are we still using the same science books in our classes that we read uh, 25, 30 years ago? No, we're not. There's a reason for that. Because science is constantly changing. A lot of the things that we once believed scientifically, they no longer believe and are no longer being taught. That's just a fact. You take a book from 30 years ago, you start reading through it, you're going to find all kinds of things that are now considered false, considered not true. I remember back in the 70s, they were talking about entering into a new ice age. We're going to enter in and get all these facts and things. You know, they're, they're just using their intellectual minds to figure things out. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that science is constantly rediscovering. Science, science is, is constantly adapting. In fact, in medical science, it happens all the time. See, where I get frustrated is when the scientific community, once they come up with a new theory or idea and you disagree with it, they call you stupid or ignorant or they try to intellectually intimidate you. That's what bothers me. I don't have any problem with science. They're always going to be rediscovering and rewriting and, oh, we, we thought this, but now we understand this because we've gained more knowledge. That's, that's totally fine. The problem is when you go into a college, when you go into a university, and you sit there, and they lay out the facts for you, and you, you ask a good question, and you're, you're intellectually intimidated and ridiculed because you dare to ask a question that, that can maybe, maybe contradicts or disagrees with something they're saying. I thought that was what college was all about, the exchange of ideas, trying to get people to expand their minds. That's what bothers me. That's the part that bothers me. 
when you question someone who has a scientific theory or idea and they come along and call you stupid or ignorant or whatever else and try to intimidate you. I mean, how many articles have you read recently that you were doing things for years that you thought was good for your body because that's what you were told was good for your body, excuse me, for your body, but then all of a sudden you find out it causes cancer? Well, just a second, I thought eating that much or drinking this or whatever, that was good for me. Well, it was good for you in 1976 or 1981, but now in 2012 we found out it causes cancer. Sorry. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, the medicines, they have, oh, this medicine has no side effects, no problems, no nothing whatsoever. And then we find out that, you know, that causes whatever or it, 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 it contains this kind of thing that reacts with this. And they're suing these companies. It's because science is constantly changing. We're constantly adapting and finding these things out. Science is constantly in flux. If, if you've ever been to Paris, and you've probably been to the Louvre. Now, it's not the bathroom. The Louvre is uh, an art museum and a, in a huge library. Okay, so this is amazing. In this, in, in the Louvre, there are um, there are three miles, three and a half miles. Get that down. Three and a half miles. Okay, of obsolete science books. Three and a half miles of obsolete science books, because stuff they thought was scientific fact 1,500 years ago was disproven a thousand years ago. And thought we, things we thought were scientific fact 300 or 100 or 30 or six years ago, we now find out that science has disproven those things as well. So you have three and a half miles of obsolete scientific books on the shelf. I think it's absolutely amazing. Throughout history, the Bible has disagreed with science because God understands things even when we don't. And his rules and laws don't change. The Bible's not going to change. It's not going to adapt. It's not going to fix itself. People aren't going to pick it up and change something around because, oh, man, we found that out last year. Whoa, whoa, you know, we've got to change. That, that doesn't happen. It is what it is. God laid out the rules. God laid out the laws, and he doesn't change. And so the Bible comes in conflict sometimes with science because science says one thing. The Bible says the other. And the Bible is always right. It's always right. So we have to keep that in mind. The Bible tells us in Psalm 148 that all creation praises God. Listen to verses 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever and gave a a decree that will never pass away. The second law of thermodynamics is not good for today and then not working tomorrow. The second law of thermodynamics doesn't work one day and not the next. It, it, it works all the time. Why? Because it's true. Because it's a law of science. Because God put it in place. And so it doesn't change. Because it is truth. So it doesn't change. In 1861, I want you to remember this, okay? Especially if you're going off to college or especially if you're in a situation where people are pounding away at you on your faith and telling you why you're wrong. You need to get, you know, it's not intellectual. In 1861, there was a famous book that was written. It was called, listen to the the title, 51 Incontrovertible Proofs That the Bible is Scientifically Inaccurate. It's a long title. It's scary, isn't it? 51 Incontrovertible Proofs proofs that the Bible is scientifically inaccurate. And my question was when I read that, how many people in 1861 through 1860 whatever, or ongoing, people read that book, walked away from the Word of God, walked away from faith in Jesus Christ, or didn't give faith in Jesus Christ really a chance, because obviously now science has come out with 51 in, you know, proofs that 
that it's scientifically incorrect. How many, how many people have walked away from faith in Jesus Christ or not really followed faith in Jesus Christ, not given it a chance because their, 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 their science professor in, in high school, their teacher in high school or their science professor in college told them and laid it all out for them and kind of, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to tell you something. It all sounds really good when the guy gets up there who's been up there for 25 years arguing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. It sounds amazing. This sounds so smart. Stick Ravi Zacharias in the, same, in the same classroom. Let him raise his hand, and the person will run out crying. Okay? Just because someone knows more than you at the time doesn't make them right. I watched a documentary on the fact that we didn't go to the moon. I literally halfway through scratching my head going, did we go to the moon? It was incredible. And I said to myself, as I always do, I want to hear the other side. And then Discovery Channel, like a couple months later, had the other side. It was like a joke, a joke, a joke, a joke, a joke, a joke. I mean, it made no sense. Once the other side came out and said, come on, let me explain how you can, how you can, how you can, take total things. Just because someone's um, more knowledge, I'll say, you're smarter than they are sometimes, but has more knowledge and it doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them right. That's so important. So we have these 51 incontrovertible proofs that the Bible is scientifically inaccurate. Here's the problem, okay? 150 years later, 150 years later, you can't find one scientist. You couldn't find one scientist in, uh, in all the world who would hold to one of those 51 incontrovertible proofs. You know why? Because science proved them all wrong. All of them were wrong. As, they, as, as scientific knowledge grew, they looked at everyone, nope, wrong, 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 wrong. How many people didn't come to know Christ because they saw that and said, well, yeah, it's all over for the Bible. It's been all over for the Bible for thousands of years, okay? Because someone's grandfather was a Baptist pastor who spanked them too hard when they were growing up, now hates God, writes a book on how the Bible is completely rubbish. And thousands of years later, here I still stand. And now when I'm dead, there'll be a guy after me standing here, and the Bible will be true, because truth does not change. Truth does not change. You can find one scientist, one scientist in the entire world who will back up these 51 incontrovertible proofs because science has proved them all wrong. Science changes, but truth does not. You know, one of the ways that you can tell the Bible is, 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 is true is because of what's not in it. Because of what's not in it. Scientifically. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, you think about this. If the Bible was written by a bunch of people sitting around going, hey, I know what I want to do. I want to start a religion. Yeah, me too. Let's write a book. And let's say, you know, for, you know, for over 60, over 60 years, let's all write this book. And then we'll just, you know, we'll try to fake people out. Or we'll just, you know what, even if, we don't, even if we're like, we're, we're smoking wacky weed or eating mush, mushrooms or something like that and decide to start a religion, well, you know, but here's what would happen. Wouldn't there, wouldn't you think there would be science, okay, science of the day that would seep into the Bible? And you'd be able to kind of pull it out and say, yeah, well, back then that's what they believed and the Bible kind of picked that up and, and I don't believe it anymore, but that's what they believed back then. Uh, so if you believe that, so if it was a human book, it would be filled with scientific facts of the day, right? But there are no scientific facts of the day, unless they're true, that are in here. They're, they're not there. 
For instance, for thousands of years, most people, people will say everyone believed the Earth was flat. I studied this. Not everyone believes the Earth is flat. You'll find, you'll find scientists or philosophers back when, Plato and Aristotle, people that will actually have writings that the Earth is a globe and, you know, it's round. So I'm not going to say that everyone believes the Earth is flat. But most people, most people believe the Earth is flat. So you would think if a bunch of guys got together, people got together and wrote the Bible, the whole concept of the Earth being flat because that was written, the Bible was written, okay, during that period of time, People believe the earth was flat. So it's not like you'd be going, you'd be thinking ahead, going, well, they just thought that was a fact. It was done, it was a done day flat. Boom. So you think if you're making something up, you just kind of write that in there because it's not disputable. No one's disputing the fact. But guess what? Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, so Pharaoh took Moses' daughter. 
Amen.